The IRS has taken to using their FAQs during COVID-19, but there are some issues with the reliability of IRS FAQs. That will be the discussion on today's episode of Tax Justice Warriors. Welcome to Tax Justice Warriors, the podcast that celebrates the work of low-income taxpayer clinics, focuses on tax controversy work, and looks at related issues in tax news. I'm your host, William Schmidt, the director of the Low-Income Taxpayer Clinic at Kansas Legal Services. In talking about economic impact payments, that turned the spotlight onto the IRS FAQs. This is because of the sudden appearance in IRS FAQs stating that prisoners and payments that went to decedents, either of those parties needed to send back their economic impact payments to the IRS. Now, these appeared without any support from the statutory language, and there was no comment process by the public to give input on those sudden changes to the procedure regarding economic impact payments. They just suddenly appeared on the IRS website. And so that brought about some reaction and examination of IRS FAQs on different blog postings in July 2020. I wanted to revisit those, and I will give a little bit of summary to them. The first one I'm going to discuss was a blog post from the current National Taxpayer Advocate, Aaron M. Collins, a blog post from July 7, 2020. Now, she starts out by saying that there are some forms of administrative guidance from the IRS that are more authoritative than others. And I am going to quote from her here, saying that regulations are at the top of the hierarchy because they go through a notice and comment process and are considered binding on the government and taxpayers alike. Other forms of guidance that are published in the Internal Revenue Bulletin, like revenue rulings, Revenue procedures and notices generally go through an extensive Treasury and IRS review process and are considered binding on the government, but not on taxpayers. According to a statement included in each Internal Revenue Bulletin, rulings and procedures reported in the bulletin do not have the force and effect of Treasury Department regulations, but they may be used as precedents. Below Internal Revenue Bulletin guidance are IRS press releases, FAQs, and well-reasoned arguments, which may be found in chief counsel advice and private letter rulings that have been disclosed to the public. She then mentions that taxpayers may avoid the accuracy-related penalty for substantial understatements of income tax if there is substantial authority for a position taken on a tax return and reliance on Internal Revenue Service information or press releases is considered to meet that standard. So while it seems that FAQs posted on the IRS website would constitute Internal Revenue Service information, the IRS has declined to concede that point. For example, Internal Revenue Manual 4.10.7.2.4 
stating that FAQs that appear on IRS.gov but that have not been published in the bulletin are not legal authority and should not be used to sustain a position unless the items, that is, FAQs, explicitly indicate otherwise or the IRS indicates otherwise. Now, she goes through the reason for FAQs, such as in our current COVID-19 times with the coronavirus, where Timely communication is highly important, but there are certainly issues in looking at the reliability. For example, there are different disclaimers that may be listed on FAQs, but I will go into those a little bit later. Now, National Taxpayer Advocate Aaron M. Collins makes some official recommendations on what should be done with FAQs. And I'm going to read through all three of those. Number one, the IRS should continue to use FAQs to provide timely guidance to taxpayers where appropriate. We acknowledge that quick answers will sometimes be changed upon more thorough review. Therefore, it is reasonable for examining agents to retain the authority in limited cases to challenge taxpayer return positions if an FAQ has been changed, but when that situation arises, Examining agents should be required to consider the previously issued FAQ. Number two, for penalty and relief purposes, the Treasury Department and the IRS should clarify that the information presented in FAQs constitutes Internal Revenue Service information under Treasury Regulation Section 1.6662-4, parentheses D, parentheses 3, parentheses III. Further, the IRS should never assess a penalty against a taxpayer for taking a position consistent with an FAQ posted on the IRS website at the end of a taxpayer's taxable year or at the time of return filing unless the IRS has convincing evidence the taxpayer knew the FAQ had been changed. Three, the IRS should include the versions and dates of each FAQ on its website or create an archive of obsolete or modified FAQs, including applicable dates, so that taxpayers can locate an FAQ that was in effect at the time they filed their returns. Regardless of the level of deference a taxpayer's reliance on an FAQ ultimately receives, it is a basic requirement of government transparency that a taxpayer be able to locate and cite the FAQ that appeared on irs.gov at the time the taxpayer filed a return. An FAQ should not just disappear if the IRS decides to change it or remove it as current guidance. Now, I agree with those recommendations, but I want to turn to some follow-up postings on procedurally taxing that were saying that the stance of National Taxpayer Advocate Aaron M. Collins did not go far enough that I'm going to take the two out of order, that first I will look at the posting from James Creech on July 10, 2020, that he points out some of the disclaimers that some of the IRS FAQs state, this FAQ is not included in the Internal Revenue Bulletin and therefore may not be relied upon as legal authority. 
This means that the information cannot be used to support a legal argument in a court case. And then the preamble to the COVID Opportunity Zone FAQ states, these Q&As do not constitute legal authority and may not be relied upon as such. They do not amend, modify, or add to the income tax regulations or any other legal authority. So he states, a better disclaimer might read, these FAQs are informational purposes only and are subject to change at any time. Taxpayers cannot rely on these FAQs as the official position of the IRS and cannot be cited as legal authority. FAQs do not change the Internal Revenue Code or Treasury regulations. For information on FAQs, click here. Now, the day before, in procedurally taxing on July 9, 2020, Alice G. Abreu and Richard K. Greenstein, both professors of law at Temple's Beasley School of Law in Philadelphia, I will use this paragraph to summarize their statement. We therefore believe that the IRS, which itself adopted the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, even before Congress made it a part of Internal Revenue Code Section 7803, parentheses, little a, parentheses, 3, in 2015, should change its position and respect taxpayer reliance on written guidance, whether that guidance is included in the Internal Revenue Bulletin or in publications, instructions to forms, FAQs, or other written guidance. Respecting reliance operationalizes the taxpayer's right to be informed, as well as the right to a fair and just tax system, because respecting reliance is at the core of justice and due process. Now, in one of the introductions for procedurally taxing, it refers to a paper published in California that cites six problems with IRS FAQs, one, the lack of transparency, two, the lack of accountability, three, the lack of input by the public, four, the difficulty in finding specific FAQs on the IRS website, five, whether FAQs are binding on IRS personnel, and six, the extent to which FAQs can be relied upon by taxpayers and tax practitioners. So overall, I want to say I agree with the various statements made by the commenters on IRS FAQs. I think that there are issues with the IRS regarding transparency and accountability when there are items like the IRS FAQs that the IRS will make available to the public but will not uphold when a taxpayer would rely upon it that there should be input by the public to broad stances that the IRS may be taking through an IRS FAQ or other item published by the IRS, that if an IRS FAQ changes, that a taxpayer should be able to find out about the edits and revisions and be able to look those up. For example, just like statutory changes that are often available on state statute websites, you can at least learn when revisions were made and potentially be able to look those up. 
if the materials are available. But certainly when a change is made and there is no evidence of it, that is frustrating, especially if a taxpayer is taking a stance based on what was communicated by the IRS. But overall, I agree with the July 9 posting by Alice Abreu and Richard Greenstein, and my apologies for any mispronunciations, but they are basically saying that any written publication by the IRS should be available to be relied upon by the public. Now, I agree with James Creech that there should be better disclaimers, but ultimately, there shouldn't need to be any disclaimers at all by the IRS. That if the IRS is writing something and distributing it to the public, a communication that is going out on their website as instructions to IRS forms, as a publication, any communication by the IRS, they should have the accountability to stand behind those publications and back them up. That the public is relying upon the IRS and the average person does not understand the difference between the levels of IRS communications. They just know this is what the IRS is communicating to me, and they are thinking I should be able to rely upon it. So I would take the stance that the IRS should follow up with what they're communicating by taking a stance and, and supporting the taxpayer instead of leaving them out to dry. Because this is an, another area where the IRS loses ground, where they lose trustworthiness, because if the public is trusting the IRS and the IRS says, well, you can rely on these things we're saying, but not these, then the public is looking at them as they look at other areas of the government where some things are relied upon and some things are not. So ultimately, people lose lack of faith, they lose trust in who they are relying upon. And so this is a foundational issue for the IRS that, that as a pillar of the government, they should be reliable, they should be trustworthy, and people should be able to believe their communications. Now, I certainly understand if the IRS needs to take a different stance, if they need to change, but they could certainly update an FAQ and state that their position has changed. They could date the revisions of a particular stance. And like National Taxpayer Advocate Aaron M. Collins stated, that there should be supporting rules regarding why a taxpayer took a stance, when they could be allowed to take the prior stance, and if there were strong evidence showing that they took the prior stance, if they took that position after the change had been made, 
then they should be dealt with accordingly. But the IRS stances should not be a surprise. They should not be what someone might term as a bait and switch in what a taxpayer can rely upon. So overall, I hope this has been educational for you. I hope that there does become some change with IRS communications for reliability. And I thank you for tuning in to Tax Justice Warriors. Thank you for listening to Tax Justice Warriors. We have a Patreon page if you'd like to support this podcast. Providing monetary support for this podcast helps with expenses like equipment or travel to tax conferences. Supporting this podcast through Patreon comes with rewards, so check out our Patreon page. Please rate or review this podcast because positive reviews help get more people to know this podcast exists. The views expressed on this podcast are not official opinions of the IRS, the Low Income Taxpayer Clinic Program, or the employers of the people who spoke on this program. Your tax situation is unique, so do not take the statements on this program as tax or legal advice. Consult with your own tax professional to provide you with specific advice on your situation. Tune in next time on Tax Justice Warriors for another interesting tax discussion.